It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Yeah, and specific to this idea of critical race theory, I have to tell you, I just spent some time reporting on this county in Virginia about an hour outside of Washington. And, and to your point, this is something that is mobilizing people and resonating very deeply. It was about a 100-degree day, dozens and dozens and dozens of parents, mostly white in this largely affluent county, showed up to a school board meeting. For many of them, the very first school board meeting they'd ever attended, specifically because of this one issue. All right, so that was a report on PBS, and yes, she's right. If anything is energizing people across the country, it is critical race theory being taught to their children in public schools. Right now, the epicenter of this is in Virginia, and I want to talk about it a little bit, but it applies to all of you, because trust me, critical race theory will be demanded of your teachers. I don't care if you tell me I have a great, we have a great school. We never talk about things like that. I guarantee you it's seeping into everything. And so I, you need to know so that your ears can hear the words that they use and identify when they're starting to introduce this. Let me just be uh, right away, though, say to those of you in Virginia, there is a meeting tonight. The county that she's referring to, I think, is Loudoun County. Fairfax has fought this vice, but Fairfax and Loudoun are both really under attack uh, by the critical race theory advocates. It's been going on for some time. It's not new. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you more particularly about what's happening there, but I want you to know that there's a meeting for those of you in Virginia, please take note. There's a meeting today. It starts at 4 o'clock, and that's a meeting uh, at the Loudoun County, I'm guessing, at the the, uh, uh, the the public offices, whatever they are. I'm sorry I don't know this. I, I tried to find out, but I, I maybe someone can call in and tell me that, and I'll be specific. But it's Loudoun County, wherever you meet for your school board. It starts at 4 o'clock. But here's the deal. What happens with it? I know this for a fact because of my own experience fighting with school boards, whether they were in Chicago or um, later in Virginia and other places, uh, the school boards have this well handled. Uh, they, they manage people, and they are very uh, crafty. So you have to get there really early, like really early, and be craftier than they are. Uh, the last time they did this meeting in Fairfax, there were uh, 300 Democrats there, and uh, the, le- the left had 300 people, and the right had 30. And so uh, they're trying to prevent that. They need people to show up. Uh, and so if you're in Virginia, I hope that you will go. Oh, by the way, now I see. It's the Loudoun School Board Administration Building. That's the Loudoun School Board Administration Building. And so that's at 4 o'clock today in Loudoun County. Now, why am I spending so much time? It's one county, and this is a national show. Uh, there's a reason for that, and that is because, again, like a poison, this is being spread everywhere. I'll give you an idea uh, there's a teacher, I don't even know where he's from, but I watched his video this morning and he's standing in his classroom and explaining why critical race theory is so important to be taught. Let's listen. 
So this comment right here is asking me to explain um, why not wanting critical race theory in the classroom is racist. Thank you for asking me this question. I'd love to explain it. So critical race theory talks about how the systems that we have, the laws that we have, um, how all of those are designed to oppress people groups. Things like mass incarceration, the prison industrial system, the military industrial system, all of those are used to oppress people groups. By teaching this in the classroom, we can show our kids what systems need to be challenged and thought about differently. Racism isn't going to be fixed by me going down to a kid right here and saying, hey buddy, you really need to be nicer to that kid over there even though they look a little bit different than you. We can dismantle racism by dismantling systems of oppression, not by being nice to people. When you don't want to teach future generations about how these systems were designed to oppress people, you're taking the side of the oppressor, being racist. Yes, okay. So uh, let me just point out a couple of things. First, he's saying it's racist to oppose critical race theory. Just listening to him, uh, this is my guest, looking at his age, he's probably 40. Uh, I'm guessing that he was taught well in his own school. He actually really believes what he's saying. I don't think he's like trying to propagandize. He actually believes this. He probably is one of those students of that uh, time, many of our children that age, who was taught Howard Zinn's History of America, which is all about our racist, <laughs> that we are racist to the core. It wasn't, uh, trust me, the American history textbooks closer to the events of those times. It's the reconstructed history of this country. And so I think he really believes what he's saying. And I, uh, he also says, you know, he's white, he's very white, and he's talking about, you know, how uh, important it is not to be a racist. Uh, so I found that really interesting. When you pair that with another clip I'm going to play yesterday, we played a clip of a guy named Ty Smith. We know his name now. Um, he was uh, at talking to a school board, and he was basically saying, look, I've got three three degrees in the medical field. No white person ever stopped me. What are you talking about? Why are you telling our children, our black children, that somehow they're inferior or that whites, are, whites have held them down? No white person has held me down. Well, he was on with Laura Ingram last night, and uh, he had more to say, and it was interesting. And I think it would be interesting to see him and that teacher that we just played uh, actually talk about this. But this was Ty's uh, just his observation, I'm sure he's not hes not talking to that teacher. He's talking about the problem of critical race theory being taught in public schools. And this is what he says, clip four. The biggest threat to me when I was growing up was somebody that looked exactly like me. I never had no threat from any white police officer or any white person whatsoever. And to get myself through school like I did, there was no system there that they claimed that was there. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just calling like it is. Now, back in the day, slave days and, you know, pre uh Civil rights movement, I get that. But in today's world, absolutely not. All they're doing is keep on handing folks walkers because they want them to believe that they can't achieve anything. They want to just make it all about their race. They can't do anything. And to me, I told them, you know, it's going to keep you there. The very person that claim that they're helping you, if you keep on handing a person a walker and saying, this is me helping you, that person will never become independent. One of my degrees in physical therapy, our number one goal is to get our patients independent. And as they become better and stronger and uh, more uh, progressing in their the set things that we have set for them, the set programs, we take the assistive device away because they're becoming more independent, which means they can do things on their own. But what we get right now from the government is they just keep on handing people walkers saying, this is me helping you. See, look how good we are. This is us helping you. But having no idea is damaging you because you're going to remain disabled. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just really wisdom from Ty. You know, he's, uh, by the way, he's from Chicago, I found out. And I made the point yesterday, and I'd like to restate it, that uh, there are so many uh, black Americans who are finding their voice voices now, and they they we look we're friends, we're neighbors, 
We've raised our kids together. This soil is ours. This country is ours. Their history is different than ours. Yes, a lot of they have a, a really bad history. Slavery, we all went through. I would say, you know, hundreds of thousands of white Americans gave their lives to stop slavery. Uh, and racism was deeply seated. It was very difficult for whites to to accept black slaves as equals. It took a long time. And it's taken, it's still taking time. It's not, we're not completely resolved, but we've come such a long way. And Ty's testifying to that. And uh, my black friends and neighbors know that too, but now they're being reminded of their past and the old injuries of the past are being stoked. It's just not healthy for anyone. And I told you yesterday, there was this little 14-year-old boy who testified before a school board and he basically said, look, now when I see, because of critical race theory, every time I see someone, the first thing I think of is their race. I never, I didn't used to ever feel that way. All right. So I want to just let you hear a, a really winsome couple that stood to speak for their school board. It was in Minnesota. And uh, it's a guy named Jim Bean, a black couple and this is how they presented their concerns to the school board. Clip five. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Bean III. This is my lovely wife, Keisha. And we're here today to represent the millions of black Americans who disagree with the Black Lives Matter movement. I always ask people, have you ever been to the Black Lives Matter website? Most people say no. Let me show you three things that I saw on there that goes against my Christian viewpoints. And as a taxpayer, I do not want to see this agenda, this indoctrination pushed on my four children. What I saw was, if you go to Black Lives Matter website, it says that they support uh, sexual perversion, which they, in their own words, we foster a queer affirming network. This is America. You can be who you want to be. You can love who you want to love. But that indoctrination, that teaching should not be forced on everyone. It also says that we disrupt the nuclear family. That's my wife. This is our four children. Why would you disrupt the nuclear family? In most black communities, the father is not there. That's why we're seeing so many issues and so many problems. Why disrupt that? Another thing you will see is that they say we engage comrades. They, in their own words, their leaders said they are trained Marxists. Trained Marxists. I'm an American. I believe in American exceptionalism. I believe America is the best country ever. Yeah, so, so that was the first part. By the way, they, you know, his wife is holding up these posters and these pictures and, and bullet points. And uh, Jim, of course, he's talking about Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, that, that's a br- critical race theory is technically uh, separate because it's a, it's a theory. It's a curriculum. It's a way of teaching. Black Lives Matter is a movement. But they are joined uh, in philosophy by what they teach. Jim then went on to say this. In our neighborhood, everyone can put up their signs and it says, we believe in this house. I want to give you what we're going to put in our, in our neighborhood. We believe God created man and woman. Love is sacrificial. God created science. Not a few or some, but all lives matter. An unborn life is still a life. Helping the immigrant, judging character, not skin color, respecting the law and the flag. We're also going to put this one up. In this house, we believe biology is real. All lives matter. Crime is illegal. Jesus is life. God is love. Unborn babies are humans, right? Truth is everything. 
Lastly, I want to say this indoctrination, 30 seconds. It can get to the point where what happened in Dallas back in 2016, I'm going to read what it says here as far as the report. It says the suspect who was a sniper, he killed five officers. He said here he was upset about black lives. He said that he was upset that recent police shootings uh, was upset about white people. He wanted to kill white, especially white officers. This is poisonous. This is toxic. We cannot allow this to continue. I know it's going on in mainstream media. I know it's in the sports. But there's millions who disagree. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Next speaker. Jim and Keisha Bean. I mean, mean, really, honestly, honestly, do I have to say that character, like to echo Martin Luther King Jr., that character is inside. It has nothing to do with color. And we are in this together, this fight against turning each of us against each other because of color. We have to stop this. And he's right. It's dangerous and it's poisonous. I want to go back a little bit. Uh, I want to quickly talk about um, the meeting tonight in Loudoun County. Again, it's at 4 o'clock. You need to come early. And the, I know I have lots of listeners in Virginia. I don't know what you were planning. You don't have to be from Loudoun County. You can go there in solidarity. Uh, they're busing people in from all over. And so uh, you need to be there early and just stand with them. It's at the Loudoun School Board Administration Building. Uh, okay, so uh, let me just talk a little bit about what's been happening in Virginia. Uh, they've been uh, Virginia has been expending resources and directing staff time and hiring consultants to address so-called equity in curriculum for a long time. And they started in Fairfax and Loudoun. Those are the two largest counties in Commonwealth, very influential. A lot of people there who are in government. A lot of conservatives live in those counties, of course. Uh, they have been, um, you know, making sure that there's anti-bias in all the curriculum. And uh, so critical race theory basically pushes this concept that the most important per- thing about a person is their race. And uh, that uh, it divides people by those who are minoritized and those who are privileged and oppressors. It's advancing Marxist ideology that by default all interactions are derived from racism. Our history and our nation is built on racism and all inequities ascribed to racism and the color of your skin defines whether you're racist, not your beliefs or actions. Now, there's a whole lot more to what's happening in Virginia, and I'm, I'm sure we will address this. We may even come back to it tomorrow after their meeting uh, this afternoon. Uh, but I'm just encouraging those of you in Virginia to come and join, um, to t- change your plans today, and just go over there. Be there early. It starts at 4 o'clock, and uh, we will talk about it tomorrow. We'll give you an update, and uh, maybe if some of you go, we'll be able to talk to you. Uh, afterwards. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about elections everywhere, the audits, the, the, the laws, all the things that are happening after 2020. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Can I share this hope-filled story with you? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 83 years. A million South Africa suffered devastating loss when she witnessed her own father killing her mother before turning the gun on himself. She was then turned over to an aunt who forced her into human trafficking, and she was assaulted by a group of men who were never prosecuted for the crime. She lived with bitter unforgiveness for many years until the Bible League volunteer introduced her to Jesus, and fast forward a couple of years, she's been trained to share Christ and has led more than a 100 people to Him as they look on at her hope-filled story rooted in the gospel. Hey, there's a great shortage of Bibles available to Christians in Africa, and you can do something about it for $5 a Bible, $100 since 20. Call 800-YES-WORD. 
800-YES-WORD, or you can give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for caring. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. America is in a funk, and with good reason. For the past year and a half, our nation has been shut down, citizens stripped of their civil liberties. The cancel culture mob is tearing down statues and banning books. Critical race theory goons are shaming people because of the color of their skin. The White House subscribes to this notion that we are not a most exceptional nation. And that's why I wrote our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. It's a collection of inspirational and encouraging and hilarious stories about Americans who are doing good deeds, exceptional Americans. Stories about faith and family, God and country. I do have hope for America because my hope is not based on a political party. My hope is built on a much higher power. Our Daily Biscuit is the perfect remedy for those who say America is on the decline. It's a buttermilk biscuit for the soul. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We will apply the same scrutiny to post-election audits to ensure they abide by federal statutory requirements to protect election records and avoid the intimidation of voters. In that regard, we will publish guidance explaining the civil and criminal statutes that apply to post-election audits. And we will likewise publish guidance with respect to early voting and voting by mail. Thank you, Merrick Garland, our uh, Attorney General of the United States, saying that the Justice Department will scrutinize new GOP-led voting restrictions and also these nasty counts, recounts. How could we allow that? We will be scrutinizing. And, well, they should be uh, concerned about it because they're happening. Arizona is still carrying on their count. 
Pennsylvania is considering this. Michigan is considering this. Nevada is considering this. Georgia is its own story. And if we get to, we may get to some of these other states and the details in this conversation. But that's the overview. These uh, people are still, they're finding all kinds of irregularities and they're not stopping. And that's why Merrick Garland has to step in and stop this. But let me just tell you that the Arizona AG fired a shot back at Merrick Garland and he basically said, um, he says, it's, uh, what's his name? Um, Deputy AG, nope, it's Bronovich is the name, Mark Bronovich. He says the, the DOJ seems more interested in supporting the hysterical outcries of leftist pundits on cable television rather than the rule of law. My office is not amused by the DOJ's posturing and will not tolerate any effort to undermine or interfere with our state Senate's audit to reassure Arizonans of the accuracy of our elections. Our Mark sent a very long letter to the, uh, to the Attorney General putting him on notice, which is the Tenth Amendment in, act, in action. We talked about this. Uh, states are discovering, rediscovering the Constitution and their right to do what they think is best for their people, especially on elections. Well, someone who's been in the center of all this for some time, we've talked to him a number of times, Pat Kolbeck, a former state legislator, uh, in Michigan, a former uh, technology expert, aerospace engineer, uh, and he's been in the center of uh, some of the nefarious things that happened in Michigan on that fateful night uh, in uh, in November of 2020. And he joins us this morning. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for joining us. Oh, well, it's great to be with you, Sandy. Well, before we talk about the whole scope of things here, well, you know what? Actually, no. Let's talk about the whole scope of things. I kind of gave a rundown, but but let, I'd like your assessment of what you see as you look across, you know, these various states. How would you assess what's happening? Well, actually, the way I kind of framed it is, is you know, you've got people that are in formal positions of uh, power, like Merrick Garland here. He's responsible for uh, prosecuting the laws of the nation. We've got people like him in states all across the country, including my own state of Michigan, unfortunately. And uh, all the law enforcement and all the elected officials are essentially sitting on the sidelines while um, it's uh, everyday citizens that are stepping up, and like you're talking about, rediscovering their constitutional rights, rediscovering their confidence that it's us that's supposed to be in charge. And I, and it harkened me back to, um, remember the old Scooby-Doo cartoons? <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> I, I'm trying to find a humorous perspective on all of this. Okay, and okay, I look I'm back with you. At all those Scooby Doo cartoons, and how does every single one of those episodes end? It ends with the Mystery Incorporated crowd with Fred, Selma, Daphne, and Shaggy pulling the mask off the uh, villain, and saying, "And the villain says, and I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids.' Right? <laughs> I, I feel like this is the era of the meddling kids. It's all the folks yeah. like myself with a lot of former in front of all my titles, right? <laughs> it's all the folks that have been looking at the evidence who are poll challengers, who are poll workers, who witness what actually happened, that are saying, we're not letting this go away. We're getting into our Mystery Incorporated van, and we're touring the country until we discover every last bit of evidence and hold these people accountable. They're stealing our country, and we want it back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Boy, well said. And it is happening all over. There are just some great stories. But, I, you know, it's hard to know. Um, it's heartening to see the fights, but then we don't know, you know, if if ultimately, well, how would we know? It's worth the fight. That's where I am. I've yeah. always been that in that. We <laughs> do what's right regardless of the outcome. We do what's right and we fight for what's right. Exactly. So let's talk about Michigan. Um, uh, all right. Give us uh, a thumbnail sketch 
<laughs> and the right. reason I'm asking you to do this, Pat, is because you know there's so much news and there's so many states uh, that uh, things get muddled in people's minds. So give us a thumbnail sketch of what happened in um, Michigan on that fateful night of the election of 2020. Just a thumbnail sketch, right. if you can. Well, uh, first of all, in summary, the election was stolen. The evidence uh, okay, well, around that, that is <laughs> mounting, and it's mounting in Antrim County, where we saw a 7,060 vote slip from what they were going to put out on election night to what actually turned out to be the certified vote. We saw pizza boxes being put up on the wall on the windows where I actually witnessed it firsthand out in Detroit at the CCS Center to block oversight of ballot duplication of our military ballots. Um, we saw ballots dropped off in the middle of the morning at 3.30 in the morning without uh, any secure containers for those ballots. Um, we saw poll books being dropped off 13 days after the election was supposed to be closed. Um, for them to uh, prepare the Board of Canvassers out in Wayne County to go off and update the vote. So there's all kinds of irregularities across the board. And uh, the bottom line regarding status is that uh, the Antrim County lawsuit, has uh, there was a motion made to dismiss it. Um, the judge, Kevin Elsenheimer, granted that, stating that there was relief. The relief that was sought was already granted. The relief that was sought with an audit, and by anybody who's ever been through an audit, like I have with the IRS, um, there has been zero audits done in the state of Michigan. So now we're getting down into the nitty-gritty of what is an audit, what's not an audit. And I, I put a lot of information on that. I just put out a post yesterday at letstickstuff.org, particularly around the term forensic audit. And just to cut to the chase, a forensic audit differs from a... It, the only difference between a forensic audit and an audit is that a forensic audit means that it's of sufficient rigor to be put in front of a, a court. And and so it's not just a case of saying, yeah, we looked at some ballots and said that's an audit. It's a case of saying, nope, it actually is sufficient to pass muster to be entered in as evidence in a court uh, proceeding. So in Michigan, you know, there's an appeal for that Antrim County dismissal because there was no audit conducted in Michigan, even USA Today. And their quote-unquote fact-checkers assert that. So we've got some work to do there. And most recently... Um, the citizens of Michigan, back to us meddling kids, we all stood up and put in about 10,000 affidavits to our legislators demanding that they honor our constitutional right to an audit. And uh, so we'll see if that gets their attention. It only took 150 of those types of affidavits to get the attention of the folks out in Arizona. In Michigan, currently, they're dragging their feet a little bit more because what's happening this week is that they're disappearing on summer break. Um, after Thursday, and we have little to no indication that they're going to do anything to honor their oath of office. So it's a little frustrating here in Michigan, I must admit. But uh, ultimately, you know, I, I, I've seen the evidence. I've experienced the evidence firsthand in many cases, and we're not going anywhere. Um, that Mystery Incorporated van is going to be touring the state, touring the country, and we're going to make sure everybody understands um, who really is uh, guilty of this election fraud. And, of course, uh, as we've discussed before, Patrick, but we have to say it again, uh, your legislature, I don't know if it's both houses, but they are co- – aren't both houses controlled by Republicans? Yeah. yeah so they've, yep, they've been – they've Republicans. been Republicans, yeah. N- yeah. So uh, uh, now – very just, frustrating. Practically <laughs> speaking – Oh, I – yeah, no, no. Well, that's the worst because it's uh, your friends stabbing you. Well, you these know, are my just former colleagues. You. I used to work with these people, the guy who heads up the oversight – committee for this election fraud of the former former uh, 
Bible studies lead for me. Uh, and so it's very frustrating because he's actually, because I'm talking about this election fraud, he's threatened me with a trial should I testify before his committee, stating that I better lawyer up and that there's no questions off the table. So well, I get a Patrick, little frustrated because they're not interested in the actual. Oh yeah, there's what, what's there's going. So much I mean, drama. Yeah. what in the world um, is causing them to harden on this? Because here. well, because because let me just interject here because uh, um, Arizona is actually doing a forensic audit. Audit. Yeah. And uh, Pennsylvania has sent a delegation down. So has Nevada. Uh, I don't remember the other states, but uh, people are kind of really really standing by in awe at what Arizona is managing to accomplish, and they're doing it right. So why would that be offensive to reasonable people, even Republicans, who do they, they – I'm assuming, Patrick, that they have the same problem with the, the Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, as you do, or do they not? Do they like her? <laughs> well, we had early markers back uh, under this – when this COVID craziness started back in March of last year. We saw – zero pushback by them on some of the um, decrees that were being issued by our governor. As a matter of fact, when they put out their policy, the Senate Majority Leader put out his policy and the Speaker put out his policy on dealing with COVID, they were very much aligned with what the governor eventually proposed. Um, so unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of differentiation. That doesn't mean that there aren't individual senators and representatives trying to fight the good fight. But uh, ultimately, it's going to come down with leadership because they're going to have the bigger megaphone. And um, and what that's led to is a lot of fear on the part of some of the senators and representatives for speaking out. Because if you speak out against the official position of the Senate Majority Leader and Speaker, there's a price to be paid, as I learned when I was in the Senate. <laughs> um, so you, you'll get bills blacklisted, you'll get removed from committees, you'll get removed from chairmanships, and it, it kind of tends to... to um, put in a little bit of fear, not to mention the fear of maybe they just don't understand the issue well enough, because it is, can be kind of complicated to understand exactly how our elections are supposed to work. Um, and there's also fear, as soon as you speak out against the uh, what's going on with the election, you get called every name in the book by the media. So it's, uh, it's intimidating for folks that aren't firmly rooted, they don't have their feet firmly, or their, their house firmly planted on, the, on solid rock instead of shifting sand. So it's it's a challenge, and unfortunately, I think we've got a lot of shifting sand shifting sand houses out in Michigan. Yeah. All right. So, but let's talk about like last week. You may you know probably don't know Pat, but I um, promoted the prayer gathering you had at the steps of the Capitol. Oh, yeah. I think it was last Thursday. Yeah. yeah so, what, what was what was your intention with that, and and uh, what happened? Well, that that was at that prayer rally that we. Um, deliver the 10,000 affidavits to okay. our legislators. Um, so that was part of the uh, discussion. But frankly, this is all recognizing that what we're in the middle of, um, hopefully it, 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 all your listeners understand this, this is not a Republican versus Democrat. This is not about uh, President Trump versus President Biden or anything like that. This is about uh, this is a spiritual battle, fundamentally. This is about good versus evil. This is about those who want to fundamentally transform America and those who want to fundamentally preserve all that is noble, true, excellent, and praiseworthy about America. So it is a spiritual battle, and that's what the prayer rally recognized, is that, guys, this is a, you know, God's trying to tell us in his word, do not be afraid, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Maybe we should listen to him. Maybe we should. Uh, Pat, uh, you so you delivered ten thousand affidavits 
uh, and met for prayer on the Capitol steps. I want to read to yeah. you, I'm sure you've seen this, heard it, Jocelyn uh, Benson, who was your uh, Secretary of State, said this. Those sincerely wanting credible audits of our elections should be reminded that here in Michigan, election officials, including 1,300 Republican, Democrat, and nonpartisan local clerks, have conducted more than 250 actual, by the book, transparent audits of the November 2020 election, and each confirmed that it was safe and secure and the results are an accurate reflection of the will of the people. So, Pat, yeah. respond to what, that. I know you did a little bit already. 250 what she calls risk-limited audits, and when you actually examine what they did, they essentially looked at an average of about 72 ballots per precinct that they looked at. And uh, uh, what we're asking for is a complete accounting for all the ballots, and not just the ballots. I mean, a lot of people just want to focus on the ballots. What we're what we want to nail down with this forensic audit is look at the complete chain of custody. So not just the ballots, but who voted. What do the poll books say? What does the qualified voter final say? Because they're all confident that they've got all the bad ballots that they want in those uh, secured slash unsecured ballot containers that are going to be recounted. We want to make sure that they've got poll book entries that connect the dots to what they're saying in their, in their ballots. We want to make sure that the complete chain of custody is verified because that's the game. It's a case where they're waving their right hand in front of us. Meanwhile, their left hand is going off and picking our pocket. They want us to focus in on the ballots. We want to focus on the complete chain of custody. That's what you see in an audit. And the Secretary of State's own standard for an audit, she did not follow it with that risk limited audit. She actually went off and just kind of made up her own thing just focus in on the ballots. But when you actually look at what the official post-election audit manual is for the state of Michigan, she didn't even do that in any of those. So she's telling us that she conducted an audit. Really, if you actually listen to the guy who coined the term risk-limited audit, his name is Professor Phil Stark at the University of California in Berkeley. In the, in the documentary Kill Chain by HBO, which I recommend to all your listeners, he stated that it's just a, it's just a recount. Well, a recount is not an audit. <laughs> I've been through an audit by the IRS. An audit by the IRS is not simply the IRS telling me to please re-add up all the cells in my 1040 form. No, <laughs> the, an IRS audit means that you go back and show the paper trail for every value that you put into that cell. That's what citizens of Michigan are looking for. That's what the citizens of Arizona and soon in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Nevada and New Hampshire, if we're all looking for all that information. We're not, we're not going to take any more of the uh, right hand waving in our face while they go off and steal the election with their left. We want the whole picture put together. Yeah, and that's what you're asking for. I just, uh, um, you know, the obvious uh, tactical response to this is to get uh, to run people for the seats that are being filled right now by the by the people that are really refusing to do this. Are you guys doing anything practical like that? Oh, I, yeah, believe me, there's a lot of people that are pushing primary opponents for all these candidates. Um, but ultimately, I got to admit, I'm so focused on making sure we expose what happened in this 2020 election yeah. that I'm leaving that activity to others. Um, yeah. We're very frustrated with our Republican Party here in Michigan. Um, First, because of their lack of response or effective response to COVID, but second of all, due to their lack of response to election fraud. And frankly, you know, the, the way that they've actually been more combative against those who have witnessed the election fraud and dismissive of what they've, uh, of what they've seen. So that's, 
probably more frustrating than anything else. You know, uh, there was an interesting article in The American Thinker uh, by Andrew Coy. I don't know if you know him. I don't know Andrew. But uh, the, uh, the title of the article is, What Happens If the Election Audits Go Trump's Way? Now, we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea in Arizona. They've never claimed that they're going to find out what they suspect is, has happened, and you, you guys wouldn't know. No, and Georgia doesn't know, uh, but uh, you just want to know what happened so people can have confidence in their elections. But he asks, uh, asks you know, what, would, 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 this, would it matter? Would the Supreme Court, would the people actually go along with this? How would the military, uh, the masses react to the outcome? And he ends by saying, keep a sharp eye on the audits going on now and throughout the summer. What happens if by Labor Day weekend more than half of the American people believe that there was indeed election fraud and criminality? It might not be pretty. It might, not, it might get seriously ugly. But these professional forensic audits are necessary. They must be done professionally and accurately. Um, and so, I, but, uh, so what do you think uh, would happen if the election audits, uh, all of them, show if the Arizona shows its massive fraud? Uh, what happens, Pat? Can can you imagine with me what would happen if that that were the yeah. outcome? I've been planning that out specifically, trying to identify what the options are. And there's all the easy button options are gone. That 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 disappeared after January sixth, conveniently after the events of January sixth. Um, so what we're left with is uh, a path towards decertification of the election. Um, which, by the way, uh, they've called for re-elections in Mississippi, New Jersey, just this last uh, election cycle um, for some smaller races. I think there are state Senate races or state races. And um, so decertification is the first step where you've gone off and demonstrated that the chain of custody has not been maintained by going through these audits. We've demonstrated there was fraud involved on it. You can't trust the election results. Then the next uh, step is the issuance of writs of core warranto. And writs of core warranto is essentially asking current office holders, show us your papers, show us proof that you were legitimately elected into office. And of course, because we've discovered the election fraud via these forensic audits, we know that they can't do that. Therefore, they are removed from office. Now, depending on what the evidence is that we find, if we say specifically, we know that, let's just say, uh, and I forget the actual numbers in Arizona or whatever, but let's say that uh, right now uh, it's being reported that Biden won by 10,000 votes. Um, if we determine that there were 20,000 fake Biden votes in the, through the forensic audit, then we can assert that, well, actually the rightful winner of that election should have been Trump. If it's a case where we're saying we don't know what the total vote switch was, then you've got a case for... Uh, but we know that it was serious enough that we can't trust these election results, then you can order a revote. So there's a couple different paths on that. None of them are pretty because everything's going to be fought. You're going to have uh, injunction after injunction, court proceeding after court proceeding. Uh, it's going to get ugly. But you know what? Um, how much do we respect our rule of law? How much do we support our constitutional republic? I mean, this is a this is our time to shine, frankly, as citizens. Um, this is a time to stand up for the principles in which we believe, and one of those principles is free and fair election. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, as things get rougher, I mean, I think um, already, like, the gas prices are just, you know, they're going up. Inflation has begun. Uh, our borders yeah. are just just uh, unsustainable. They're not sustainable. Nobody's trying to sustain them. <laughs> and uh, the, the real problems of the cities, the crime, the criminals being released, the changes in laws, the, the wacky uh, um, prosecutors who are letting 
criminals out, all of this stuff adds up. And uh, there may be an awakening where people will understand that something really nefarious that's never happened before is happening right now and happened certainly on that day of the election of 2020. Pat Kolbeck, is, his site is letsfixstuff.org. All the latest, the numbers and all the stuff that you need to know is at that site on the election recounts. Letsfixstuff.org. Pat Kolbeck, thank you so much and God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. They say actions speak louder than words. Here at the American Family Association, we take that to heart. AFA Action is here to inform and help you get involved in cultural and moral issues. You can also sign up for our AFA Action Alert, which will inform you about these issues every week by email. To sign up and for more information, visit us at afaaction.net. Why are you still sitting there? If you want change, it starts with you. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. These words were shared between Cleopas and his companion on the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus as Jesus, in resurrected form, used the Hebrew scriptures to reveal himself to them as the Messiah. There are at least 109 distinct biblical prophecies the Messiah had to fulfill. The mathematical probability of such a feat occurring is astoundingly absurd, yet that absurdity is satisfied in Jesus, the Messiah. Come, let us adore Him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. Last week, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously in favor of the free exercise of religion in a case involving foster care. Faith-based foster care agencies will no longer be required to place vulnerable young children in the suboptimal nurturing environment of a homosexual household. Philadelphia, for instance, has 20 other foster care agencies in addition to Catholic social services, so homosexuals, in fact, are not being denied anything. Only Christians are being discriminated against, but that is the one thing the First Amendment flatly prohibits. The Constitution protects the right not just to believe what you want, but to actively exercise your Christian faith in daily and public life, including placing children in foster homes. The Supreme Court has only begun to reclaim liberty from the forces of secularism. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio.
This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The U.S. Senate will vote today on S-1, the so-called For the People Act. It is one of the most controversial and portentous pieces of legislation in our country's history. If enacted, S-1 would impose in all future elections the sort of electoral arrangements that are prompting states across the country to re-examine evidence of material misconduct and outright fraud in the 2020 balloting. Effectively, it would ensure they will be neither free nor fair. For example, fraud-prone mail-in ballots would be mandated. Sensible voter ID requirements would be prohibited. And S-1 would facilitate the registration to vote of ineligible people and make it harder to purge them from the voting rolls. The fate of this bill appears to rest with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. Let us pray that he will ensure that legal voting is easy, but cheating is hard. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. I uh, want to mention again tonight, Loudoun County, there will be a meeting uh, at 4 o'clock. It's actually this afternoon. Where is it? Well, all right. It's uh, the school board meeting in Loudoun County. For those of you in Virginia, it's uh, over uh, the critical race theory curriculum that they've been uh, forcing down children. It's a nightmare, and uh, it's happening everywhere, but it's just kind of the epicenter because this is near D.C., and this is kind of the, the... This is where the left really loves to do their dirty work because it is right in the backyard of the nation's capital, and it's where, certainly in those counties, where a lot of conservatives live, and it's um, if they can defeat them and really succeed in this, it's a real... It's like, a, it's like stabbing the heart. Uh, of the country in some ways. Now, every state is important and every school board is important, but I'm just telling you uh, that's how they see it. So I hope that those of you in Virginia will go and uh, go early. Again, as we have said earlier, they will be bringing in left, will be bringing in bus and bus and bus and bus loads of people. And so we need our people there, meaning our people, people that love the country, who who see clearly that race is uh, something that God gave each of us. It's a uh, not your character. It is something that, you know, is in the melatonin of your skin. So uh, I want to show you, people around the country are getting mad, and they're fighting back in various ways. We talked with Pat Colbeck about what's happening in Michigan, uh, and we, we're going to talk a little bit more about election, uh, you know, circumstances around the country. But this is a little, little um, off the subject, but I love it. Uh, it's a Colorado mayor. His name is Shane Furman. He's the mayor of Silverton, Colorado. And there was a trustee meeting last week where he announced that the Pledge of Allegiance will be suspended due to direct and indirect threats. Okay, so I want you to hear what happened uh, after he said that. Let's listen. I would like to make one comment. I'd like to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm sorry, but that's due to the United States of America. I'd note that that's out of order. And, uh, we did have a one-strike policy. I'm not going to ask everyone to leave tonight, but if something like that happens again, we will. Oh, and tackling and, and other things like that are also out of order. So please don't ask me to make people leave. Okay, so he's talking to the trustees of his town, the mayor. And uh, you heard it. I mean, so uh, they're not they're not going to go down lightly. And so it's like a little dictator, right? This little uh, millennial dictator. Uh, this is not this is we have a one strike policy. And if you do that again. Wow. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. 
uh, how we have raised this generation of people so disconnected from truth and so propagandized by the left. And I blame us, too, because we evidently failed to teach our children what it meant to be free and the principles of this country and also about their faith in God, the God of our fathers, is a unique God. He's the only God. We, uh, we just didn't teach them well. And we sent them all to colleges and universities that further corrupted their minds. And we were proud that they graduated from A or B and didn't really care that it set them on a course of nonsense through Howard Zinn's History of America. And they're, now they're ripe for all the Marxist uh, claptrap that they're being teach, taught. And now they're teaching our children, our grandchildren and children, uh, all the stuff they've been taught, like the teacher that I played in the opening clip today. Well, all right, so I, there are other places that are fighting back. This is really cool. These are, there are two counties in Nevada uh, that have decided to go what they call constitutional. Under the leadership of constitutionally-minded sheriffs and elected commissioners, two rural, rural counties in Nevada have decided to become, quote, constitutional counties, end quote, where the rights of citizens will be protected from all attacks. Uh, it's, uh, there's a letter from the Elko County Board of Commissioners, and they say a lot of things, but they close by saying, there is no greater obligation or responsibility of any government officer than to protect the rights of the people. Thus, any conduct contrary to the United States Constitution, Declaration of Independence, or the Bill of Rights will be dealt with as criminal activity. And their sheriffs are on board. Um, Sheriff Richard Mack, who's the, let's see, he's the founder and chief of CSPOA. Sorry, I don't know what that stands for. The people of these counties and their elected officials have had it up to here with unconstitutional dictates and mandates. Okay, so that's what these two counties in Nevada are doing. And by the way, interestingly enough, and I mentioned this when I was talking with Pat, uh, Nevada is actually... Uh, they visited the election. They sent a delegation to visit the election audit of Arizona's Maricopa County. And uh, the head of Nevada's Republican Party said that a similar review is needed in Nevada. Now, Nevada, unlike Michigan, Michigan at least has a Republican uh, legislature. It's worthless right now. Worthless. They won't do anything. They, uh, I want recess for the summer. Uh, the um, people in Nevada, the, the patriots in Nevada, don't even have that advantage. They've got both houses are controlled by Democrats, and so they're they're still working. Nevada Republican Chairman Michael McDonald said in an interview, uh, "Hats off to the leadership here in Arizona. I think that sets the model, that sets the tone for Nevada." And he said, "We want to be able to do the same thing as them. We looked at the, all the problems we had, all the ano- anomalies that took place, to make sure that it was a clean and fair election because it wasn't." So that's in Nevada, and then in Arizona, because this is really, uh, in terms of uh, all the activities in various states, this is kind of the epicenter, I should say. Before I go to that, let me go to Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania also has sent a delegation to observe what's happening in that Arizona count. Uh, and uh, a top pencil, <clears throat> excuse me, a top Pennsylvania Republican, I don't, it doesn't have the name here, says he supports an audit of the state's presidential election results similar to a review being conducted in Arizona, raising the potential for other states to spend taxpayer money investigating former, former President Donald Trump's false claims of improprieties and fraud. So that's from the Hill, and so we know how they feel about it. They're a leftist publication with some you know, degree of credit, with some credibility, and the Hill being in D.C., uh, so it's um, Pennsylvania is thinking about doing that. So I, um, 
just wanted to give you an idea. I want to talk about Georgia also. I have lots to tell you here, so I'm going to rush through this as best I can. The Arizona legislature is just, uh, they're staying the course. Remember that they uh, hired a Florida-based company called Cyber Ninjas, and they are doing, they're just doing it count by count, ballot by ballot. The last I heard, they were counting, they were attacking the Braille ballots. They're going through all the mail-in ballots, everything. And so um, they are, you know, they've been very clear that they don't know what the results will be, but they want to know. They want the people of Arizona to know uh, that there was an account and that uh, they found out if there were any problems, they've gotten to the bottom of them. So there is a first-term senator whose name is um, uh, Wendy Rogers. She's a first-term senator. She's a retired U.S. Air Force pilot. And she's been watching this audit carefully. She's been a regular presence at the Coliseum, consulting with cyber ninjas, and uh, helping lead tours for legislators from other states who want to see what's happening. So there have been delegations from Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Virginia also. Uh, they want to see in, come in and see what a gold standard forensic audit is. And if this is a real deep dive into not only counting the ballots, but looking at the machines and, interestingly, examining very closely, microscopically, if you will, the ballots themselves, they have been blown away. And uh, so Wendy went on to say, uh, to tell the people of Arizona, we are resolute and we'll never quit. We will go get to the bottom of the truth, not only for truth's sake, but also to restore election integrity for 2022. So I'm, I'm in, this, this inspires me. It really does, and my conversation with Patrick Kolbeck just now inspired me too uh, because um, they are determined to do what's right, and just uh, no matter what attacks come, they're just staying the course, and that to me is such incredible character, and that's inspiring. And, you know, courage inspires courage. Courage breeds courage, and when you show courage, sometimes you don't know that there are people watching you, and then they begin to exercise their courage, and so that's, uh, that's why we talk like we do. Oh, my goodness. There's so many things. I wanted to talk to you about Georgia. Uh, let's see if I can tell you. It looks like Stacey Abrams uh, was a partner with this uh, company, Happy Faces Personnel, which uh, had people counting ballots, which are the subject now of part of the investigation of who were they. Um, one of them is a Nigerian national. It looks like Stacey Abrams had uh, financial interest, 16% she owned of the the, uh, the organization that hires the people from Happy Faces. Also, uh, the this, this deserves a whole show, and we'll have to come back to it. An investigator in Georgia has documented in page after page after page massive election integrity problems. In spite of Raffensperger's you know, claim that it was the best election they'd ever had, that's the Secretary of State. Lots of things happening on that front, and I... So I hope that you learned something this morning. And most of all, I hope you got some courage. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.